Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to a post-game edition of Locked on Grizzlies here for this Thursday. And, uh, well, game one in the books and an incredibly eventful game, all, all things considered. Uh, when you have Tony Allen returning, and it's probably like story number three or four, five, coming out of the game, then you know some crazy stuff happened. So we're going to get to uh, that here in, in a moment. We're going to talk about the booing of Chandler Parsons. We're going to talk about Mike Conley's tremendous game. We're going to talk about Dylan Brooks. What an incredible debut for the uh, 45th overall pick out of Oregon, who looks like an absolute steal. At this point, we're going to look at all of that uh, and, and a little bit more over the next few minutes uh, with big thanks, of course, to our friends at Outdoors, Inc., who bring you this edition of Locked on Grizzlies. They have been doing this since 1974. Not bringing you Locked on Grizzlies. That's only been for the last few months. But bringing you great outdoor gear, well, that's been since 1974 in the Memphis area. They help power your outdoor activities whatever it is that you do human powered recreation that is their thing they got great sales going on right now great gear too and the best name brands in the business if you're looking for jackets because it's starting to get a little bit chilly patagonia north face among many many others you need coolers uh, to keep your drinks cold or in cases of some to keep your drinks warm you could do that too uh, over at outdoors inc they've got all the best name brands best people Truly awesome, folks. And if you go online to OutdoorsInc.com and use the promo code LOGRIZZLIES, well, it's going to save you 10% off your entire order. We've got five great Memphis area locations, including Jackson. And again, that location online for those of you not in the area. That is uh, really easy for you to go to anywhere in the world, OutdoorsInc.com. Use that promo code LOGRIZZLIES to save 10%. Grizzlies 1-0 and o on the season. They knock off the New Orleans Pelicans. 103-91 in uh, what was a little bit of a it was a strange game for so many reasons. It was a good game, I think overall for the Grizzlies in trying to tease out um, the good from the Grizzlies with the bad from the Pelicans, trying to figure out how much you ascribe you know one or the other. It, it is difficult always after the first game of the year. You have no idea how good. Uh, the Pelicans are really going to be. Uh, you just you just don't know. So um, without trying to do too much of that, uh, there's one story that I didn't even get to in the tease, and it may well be the biggest one for the Grizzlies, depending on how things go. Jermichael Green hurts his ankle four minutes into the ball game, and uh, it looked pretty nasty. I was there live and couldn't see it at first, and then I went back and, and rewatched the game, and uh, yeah, that looked pretty nasty. That one was a rough one, um, and he is, um, I don't know, I don't, I hope that it's just uh, a sprain and a, even if it's a severe one, you know, you're, you're talking, that could be a, a matter of four to six weeks or more. Hard to speculate at this point. It really is all just speculation, but uh, that puts the Grizzlies in a tough spot without Jermichael. Now you have uh, more reliance on young guys and unproven guys at that position. And I would throw Chandler Parsons into the mix there as an unproven guy for any length of time. At the four, uh, he's a Jermichael Green, a valuable guy, and uh, you you really 
he was one of the the outside of Mike and Mark, he's probably the one that you could least afford to lose. That will have an impact long term on the Grizzlies uh, this year, depending on how long he is out. But that's something we don't know about and won't know about till later on today, I would imagine. So let's stick with the stuff that we do know about. And I want to start with the good stuff before we get into the, the, the negative stuff about Chandler Parsons. The good stuff coming out of the game, Mike Conley was absolutely fantastic. And the guy, he just, he just continues to do his thing. He is so mild-mannered about it. He doesn't uh, draw a lot of attention to himself. He just goes on and minds his own business and handles it really well. Scores 27 points in 32 minutes on just 18 possessions overall. Usage rate that actually was fourth highest on the team. So fourth highest usage rate for Mike Conley, meaning that he could have gone much more uh, aggressively on the offensive end. He could have pushed it even more. I asked him a little bit about that after the game, and he said he was very comfortable with where he was. He didn't want to push it. He felt very good about you know, the way things had gone, but he could have, he could have easily pushed that uh, a little bit more, and he didn't, and still managed to score 27 in such smooth fashion. It is not something that you get accustomed to seeing from Mike Conley, but you're going to have to because this, this is kind of the new Conley in Fisdale's system. Prior to last season, Mike Conley only had 12 career games where he scored at least 27 points. And that was all the way back to you know 2007 when he came into the league. Now, last year when David Fisdale kind of bumped up his scoring and said, okay, we need, we need you to do a little more on the offensive end and we're going to open up the offense to let you do that, Mike had 16 games last year where he scored 27 or more points. And now already, game one, he scored 27 points. So um, it's, it's, a, it's a thing. It's a real thing, and it is a real uh, switch that has been flipped in Mike Conley's mentality, the way he approaches the game, and more importantly, the way that, that David Fisdale has set things up to allow him to do that. Mike was off the ball quite a bit last night. He is the point guard nominally, but really so many other guys are initiating the offense, uh, whether it's uh, you know Andrew Harrison whether it's Mario Chalmers uh, or even Marcus Gasol quite a bit, and sometimes even uh, you know, one of the forwards like, like Chandler Parsons, Mike is off the ball a lot, and, and it's a good way to use him because he's the team's best shooter by far, not even close anyone else, and uh, you need to use him that way. He was outstanding, and uh, he did a lot of it too uh, you know, on his own. I mean, he, had, he had help with the threes that were assisted, but by and large, you know, his, his twos drives the basket, yeah, that was all him. He is, he's really, really smooth. And, and, again, it just looked like he never got out of second gear in this game. He didn't have to. He didn't have to push it. Uh, that's a really good sign going forward for the Grizzlies. I mentioned that Mike was fourth in usage. First in usage, Mark Gasol, who had a pretty good game, certainly rebounding the ball, 14-11 and 11 for Mark, and the rebounds were encouraging. Fouled out in 29 minutes, which is not as encouraging. He struggled physically with Boogie Cousins. That is not unusual for Mark. We've seen that over the years. Mark was tops in usage. Second in usage was Tyreek Evans when he came onto the floor, which, again, should not be a surprise to anybody. That is sort of the point of Tyreek Evans when he's on that second unit to be the, the guy that soaks up that usage, that, that takes a lot of the brunt of an offense where you don't necessarily have 
a ton of guys that are absolute guarantees to be uh, really productive that are going to be, you know, night to night. Like Mario Chalmers last night was one of nine. Um, you know, that's he won't he won't be doing that every night. But again, you have to have somebody on those off nights to be able to soak it up. And that's Tyreek's specialty. Tyreek was a little maybe a little too exuberant, um, but that's what you expect. And I thought he played uh, OK. Third, still ahead of Mike Conley in usage last night, Dylan Brooks. He is the real story. What an absolutely incredible debut for Dylan Brooks. Second round pick. Again, a guy that, that, that came out and really was, you know, I, I'm not going to say overlooked by some, but uh, a guy who had a definitive college skill. Guy who was a baller. Score, um, decent size, good attitude. All that stuff, it helped. And while being the Pac-12 player of the year is, is good, being a conference player of the year is no guarantee of success. I mean, the Grizzlies went to that well with Troy Bell, who was Big East Player of the Year, and Lawrence Roberts, who was the SEC Player of the Year. Um, and those guys didn't didn't amount to anything. It's not it's not like it's a guarantee, but it, but at least it shows a certain level of quality with the player. But Brooks, his mentality was the thing. I mean, the guy was ready to go. And David Fisdale has said it, and I've talked about it here on the pod that that you you can expect with him that he's going to play a significant role for Fisdale. I did not. Expect it to be that significant. 19 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, 4 steals, 2 blocks. Incredible. That is thick. Stat line. That's thick. It's getting it done. Didn't expect that he would be that productive that quickly. Don't know that he's going to be that productive that much against other teams. I mean, this is not a great wing group that he's playing against in in New Orleans, and they're a little bit of a mess. Um, But... Nonetheless, you have to be impressed with the productivity, the awareness, defensively, the willingness to go after it. I mean, he at one point, he actually fought Boogie for a, a, a rebound and a loose ball. That's probably not wise. It's probably not going to extend your career to get in those sorts of battles. But, man, it's a very good sign for the Grizzlies that he's got a little dog in him, got a little fight in him ready to go, played very well with the teammates, and I thought he didn't he didn't really force it, even though he ends up taking 13 shots. You know, he didn't force those shots either. Some of them were, I mean, a lot of them were good looks off the offense. Some of them were off the dribble. Guy can can, can create like that. He's, he's willing to do that. He's got guts to go out and, and make it happen. I thought really a spectacular performance, the best uh, Grizzly debut since Rudy Gay's back in 2006. Uh, the record holder is still Gordon Giracek, who scored 29 points in his debut back in 2002. But unlike those guys, this Dylan Brooks performance came as part of a win, not a loss. David Fisdale, by the way, 2-0 as Grizzly head coach in season openers. The previous Grizzly head coaches in Memphis, 3-12. and 12. He's already got the edge over Hubie and Lionel and Dave and everybody else in, in that regard. Um, but Dylan Brooks, back to him. The other thing that he did, you know, Fisdale, you heard... Fisdale talking about Dylan Brooks and said he doesn't make mistakes. He, you know, he's calling, he's running the plays I call. He, he doesn't freelance. But he's got a good uh, sense of the, of the court. He, you know, four steals tells you that he's a guy that, 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 that sees it. He's got great anticipation. He's got great vision about what's going on. And you know, he's not going to find it as easy as he did against New Orleans. But 
you know, there are a lot of second round picks who don't ever do in their entire career what Dylan Brooks did last night. Uh, so for the Grizzlies, normally it's a bunch of gloom and doom. I've been a part of that and talking about how bad the drafts have been because they have been in the first round. It's been awful. But if you think about Dylan Brooks as a first round pick, you know, just pretend like he was taken first. Then there you go. Pretend like he was taken instead of Wade Baldwin. That'll make you feel better. Just it's a mental little mental trick that you can you can use to to make yourself feel like things were were better. I thought defensively the Grizzlies were were again after that first quarter they locked down, played really solidly as a unit. I, I thought again against some lineups that you know physically they were going to be uh, dominated by and they didn't have a lot of rebounding. They hung in there, and you saw the speed that they had, good switching, smart switching, and I, I, I'll be honest with you, I thought some of the guys that were that were playing. You know, out of position like uh, Dylan Brooks when he would end up as a four or a five. Chandler Parsons, same thing. I thought they guarded really well one on one against Anthony Davis against the Bigs. You look at the the numbers that Davis and Cousins put up, and they're huge numbers. I mean, both of them with double doubles, um, both of them very productive in 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 terms of what they offered, but didn't really dominate the game. It, it, it sounds weird to say that, like you know, thirty three points from Anthony Davis isn't dominating the game. 18 rebounds from Anthony Davis isn't dominating the game, but he but he really didn't. Only for a little stretches here and there. Same thing with Boogie Cousins, who had 20 and 8 in the first quarter and only 8 and 2 after that. The entire stretch, the Grizzlies found uh, things that worked, but I think moreover, uh, it was really the Pelicans who stopped playing, and I, I just don't I don't get I don't get what Alvin Gentry's doing. I don't think he's going to be doing it for much longer. Um, they had some you know, they had some productive ball movement. I thought Boogie Cousins looked motivated. He looked in shape. He was um, as I wrote about on Twitter. I mean, he he didn't bitch the referee until after the play was over, and he ran back on defense in the first quarter. Everything looked good, and then. The old boogie came back because the old Pelicans came back, and they just got stagnant. They went through the bigs in such a predictable way. No one else offered anything in terms of shooting or spacing or anything like that. Made it a little easier for the Grizzlies to double down at times, to uh, offer and flash and make it hard for those guys to, to get the offense going, and Boogie got frustrated, did bitch at the referees, didn't get back on defense, and that's going to be New Orleans. I, I don't I don't see... You know they they got Chris Finch over on their on their uh, bench from uh, Denver, who maybe they missed him because Denver didn't look all that great offensively uh, in in their loss to Utah last night. But they brought in Chris Finch to to add some zip to the offense and ball movement that kind of thing. They've already got Darren Ehrman on defense, who's one of the better defensive assistant coaches in the league, and and none of it seemed to really pay off for them. Certainly on the offensive end, they didn't do anything of note um, after the first quarter. I, I don't see it. I don't see it for the Pelicans. You know, they, they are missing Solomon Hill. They were missing Rajon Rondo. Maybe Rondo comes in, Drew Holiday off the ball. Maybe Rondo, who tends to work well with Boogie, maybe that thing, you know, adds a little more movement and makes it make more sense. But And Solomon Hill is a big miss, too. Having him out there will definitely help their wing rotation. But uh, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like the way that looked. Um, didn't like the body language. Didn't like the feel of it. It was strange. What was even more strange, Tony Allen. 
Tony Allen for the Pelicans. A beautiful video played after the first quarter that got Tony truly emotional to the point where it threw him off his game. And it gave the Grizzlies a chance to get back into the ballgame after being down in the, in the first quarter. I mean, he really does. He was crying. Like, he was, he was crying. And I would imagine he probably had some trouble seeing because he, he had cried throughout the break. Uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a beautiful video. They did a great job with it. It was, it was fun. It had some touching moments. It was nice. It was very nice, very well done. Kudos to the Grizzlies for, for that video. I like that video a lot more than the hype video to open the season, which I did not care for uh, at all. One of the, the ones that I least like that they've, they've done over the years. But to Tony, it was nice. I went in and talked to Tony um, prior to the game a little bit. He was bumping the music. He's already controlling. I can tell you he's already controlling the speaker in the Pelicans locker room for whatever that's worth. And he was, uh, he was really, he, even then he was emotional, a little bit talking to me. He was excited about um, you know, getting back out there. And was uh, kind of he he had that just that nervous kind of energy and feel about what he was doing, but uh, he, I mean, well, he said it. He said it publicly. He said the same stuff. You know, to me, it's, he just he's he's very emotional about it. It was a tough way to go, tough situation. But um, you know, I think I think now everybody's kind of gotten past the initial shock of it, and now it's just a lot of appreciation for what for what he was able to do and he's going to get a chance to go on and try to make his way in, in that Pelicans rotation and, and make an impact in the Grizzlies. I think it was time for them to move on as well. Being you saw the defense is, is doing okay without Tony. Uh, I think it could be even better without Tony and um, the offense certainly has a chance to flow a little bit differently, uh, but that doesn't change the love and the appreciation that the fans showed for Tony it was awesome. It was beautiful. It was very heartfelt it was uh, it was it was hard not to get a little uh, a little little tear in your eye when you see how much that connection still exists. It's always going to be there, and and that's why his number should go to the rafters without any question at all. It was absolutely the number should go up and will will be forever remembered. It it is a very special time. So he was it was it was cool. It was cool to see, and the crowd went crazy. The other issue involving the crowd was, of course, Chandler Parsons. And uh, this one, not as good, not as pretty, not as, uh, not as kind. Parsons really struggled big time in the first half, was uh, just a non-entity out there, was running up and down the court, but to no effect, and was not involving himself in the action. Second half, that changed a little bit. But even in the first half, when Parsons would get the ball and wouldn't take a shot immediately, the fans started booing and just kind of murmuring. And, you know, at first it wasn't a lot of boos. It was a, it was a little smattering boos and a lot of just that murmur, that uncomfortable kind of murmur. And it happened every time, really, he had the ball with an opportunity to shoot, and, and he didn't. Uh, you know, fast forward to the second half when he gets fouled shooting the three, misses that first free throw, and it was a loud boo. I don't know... How many, uh, I think it depends on where you're sitting in the forum. Where I was, it sounded like it was 50-50 or 60-40, um, boos to non-boos, but it would be hard to tell. It was loud enough that it was a very real thing, and everyone on the court, including the Grizzlies, picked up on it, and the teammates, Chandler, certainly did. And um, he made the second one and, and felt like it was a sarcastic cheer. I thought it was more of just a supportive cheer, even though it was overwhelmingly loud, much louder than it needed to be, and it came across as a little sarcastic, but I don't think that was the intent for most people. 
Then he missed it, and the murmurs started again. While this is all going on, Marcus Gasol and Mike Conley are trying to, they're jumping up and cheering and trying to orchestrate and make sure that the their teammates cheer and get behind the guy. And it, it, it whatever happened, it kind of spurred on the best stretch of basketball we've seen from Chandler Parsons since uh, he was hurt in Dallas last year, probably a little less than a year ago when he was playing in front of Mark Cuban. He had, the, and maybe this is his best stretch last night because he played really good defense on top of everything else. Yeah, he he defended uh, Anthony Davis well. He forced a steal. He seemed to move reasonably well. He had a three. He was, um, I mean, he was pretty good. He was pretty good, much better than he was in that in that first half. And it gives me some hope that maybe there's a little something left in the tank. It's by no means anywhere close to what he was at his peak, but. At least it was a positive step. It was something. It was it was something to be encouraged by. It was a very to me it would be very encouraging to see that in ordinary case, but because of the booing, that has overshadowed what is uh, it's not not a redemption or anything like that, but it's a, it's something that's on the right track. The booing has overshadowed that. And afterwards in the locker room, I could tell you to a man, the Grizzlies were unhappy, unhappy with the fans who booed. Did not think that was appropriate. Did not want to see it. And it is, uh, in their minds, booing themselves. I mean, it's, Marcus all said it. Like, if you're booing Chandler, you're booing me. If you're booing Chandler, you're booing Mike. If you're booing Chandler, you're booing all of us. We're all together on this front. And Mike Conley said the same thing. I asked him about it, and he said, it's, I've been there because Mike was there early in his career. I don't think he ever got booed to the degree that Chandler got booed last night, but he certainly got criticized and was the target of a lot of scorn and he said I've been there and he talked to Chandler about it specifically last night after the game Chandler for his part you probably know what he said he said it was classless and said that he's going to have to treat uh, home games like road games if this is going to be the case Uh, a very it's 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 a very hot button issue and for my part I'll just say this I would never tell anyone what they can or cannot do. You absolutely can, if you are in the arena and you pay your ticket, you can boo. You can say mostly what you want within reason. Obviously, you can't uh, curse or use slurs or something that would that would be over the top. But within reason, you can pretty much say what you want. You can yell. You can scream. You can do all those things, but should you? And moreover, if you're a fan of a team, as much as you may dislike a player on that team, should you single that player out for your scorn, for your booze, to what end? What is the point of doing that? If that is what you are doing, what are you trying to say? Are you trying to say, I don't? like your performance I don't agree with what you're doing I don't like you personally if you're trying to get better performance booing is not going to work it's only going to make Chandler Parsons uh, more nervous more anxious going forward I don't think that's a long-term solution that that you like if you're trying to say you don't like him personally why I get that you may have an issue and I think they're reasonably have an issue with some of the things that he's done on Instagram. I think he's made some classless comments himself on Instagram. You know, wanting Instagram models to show their boobs and, and all that stuff. Um, 
That's 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 ridiculous, classless. Shouldn't be doing it. And uh, you know, I, I don't I don't want to say that that's okay. It's not. It's certainly not. You know, what you would expect from a a guy that that should know with his presence and everything else. You just you just you should know better, and anyone should treat people online better than that. That said, that doesn't to me change. You don't know the guy personally, and he's going to be a Grizzly. He's going to be on this team. He's not going anywhere. $94 million is, is already done. That contract is guaranteed, so that money is sunk. You can just set it, to, set it on fire, whatever you want to do. That money's gone. So booing him is not going to change that. If you boo him because you don't like him, why don't you boo on his posts on Instagram or, or, or Twitter or wherever? Post. Feel free to post. But in, in the arena, what it does is it destabilizes the team. And you may not care. Maybe you don't care about that. Maybe you don't think that guys that get paid should worry about that. Maybe you don't think that, maybe you think that a guy getting paid that much money should not, his feelings shouldn't enter into it. I would tell you that being very wealthy or being very well compensated does not change the way you feel about human interaction. It doesn't change the way you feel about how people treat you. And it doesn't give someone the right to treat you like you're, you know, just a, a performing animal or something. These guys have feelings, and those feelings need to be, I think, respected and taken into account. If you want to boo the whole team because of a bad performance, like in Phoenix when last night they lost by a million to Portland, they were down 58 at one point in their home opener, then boo, absolutely, boo the whole team. But to boo individuals calls them out in a way that is very uncomfortable for them, it's very uncomfortable for the teammates, and it reflects poorly on the city going forward. Because that is a reputation. That's what will happen. It's already being well documented around the league and discussed around the league about how uh, he's treated. And you, you get a fan base. You get a reputation like Philly's fan base has. That's not going to be helpful for a team that always has struggled to get free agents anyway. It's not going to be helpful for a team that you know sort of relies on overachieving and getting guys to buy in. And... The the biggest thing I saw was that from Mike and Mark's perspective, it kind of it it hurt them to think about the fans doing that because they know Mike's experienced it. Mark really hasn't, but he could have because he he's played pretty poorly himself. That you know there, but by the grace of God, go any of us. You know what will it take for the fans to turn on me? That's what a lot of those guys are thinking in that locker room. And Mark and Mike and the you know better players are maybe exempt from it but maybe dylan brooks says if i start to suck what are, what are they going to do you know these other guys we, i mean hell you saw it with with Tayshon prince who, who still remembers it and thinks about it um so you know i'm not gonna tell anybody what to do with their life you can do what you want it's it just I'm, I'm i'm saying if you were one that booed just think about why you did it and think about if it's the most productive way to express whatever emotion you were trying to express by booing Chandler Parsons. Is that the best? I mean, it may be cathartic at the moment, but long-term, is that really the way that you want to express that emotion that you got out there? Because I can promise you, Parsons was not the guy that controlled his rehab. I mean, people were, were, were saying, well, he should have been with the team and this and that. He was sent to Los Angeles to rehab by the team. So he was in L.A. 
I, I, I get the appearance of that. I understand, but that's what they did. They, they sent him out there. That was his job. His job is to do what the Grizzlies tell him to do, and they told him to go out there, so he went out there. Um, I, I, I don't know what – I mean, he worked really hard by, by everyone's account on the record and off the record. Everyone I've spoken to had the same thing to say about him that it's not about hard work. It's about just physically his body is only capable of doing so much, but it's not for lack of trying. So bearing that in mind, what, what message are you just, what message are you trying to send? If you don't like the posts on social media, just post there. That's cool. I get that. I understand that. But in the arena, it creates uh, a really tough atmosphere and, and players uh, were upset and will continue to be upset about that at the moment. And as things go on. So I would, just for, for what it's worth, uh, I would say you are not going to get what you want by booing. And, and, and you're only going to make it worse for the franchise, for the city, for those players. Uh, and not necessarily the ones that you're booing. or not the guy that you're booing, but even teammates if you go through and you boo. We'll talk more about it, uh, and we'll talk more about the Warriors game, which is on the horizon Coming up uh, tomorrow on the pod. Again, a big thanks to all of you guys for listening. Huge thanks and congratulations to our contest winner, Alan, who uh, won the tickets yesterday and went to the game. We'll have more of those uh, hopefully throughout the season. But thank you to all you guys who entered and checked out the contest. That's really, really cool, and I appreciate that. Uh, any any rating you can give us, any download you can give us, any uh, any of that stuff to, to keep this thing going is awesome. Support the sponsors, Outdoors Inc., that promo code LOGrizzlies. It means a lot. Please do it. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. You've been Locked on Grizzlies.